Grammy Award winning, platinum selling duo, that's for King and Country. They've got a new track called Love Me Like I Am. It's from their forthcoming studio album, What Are We Waiting For? And that is the reason why I have the privilege of speaking to Joel Smallbone. Hello, Joel. How are you doing? <laughs> Hello, Jameen. From, uh, from Champaign, Illinois in the United States is where <laughs> we're coming from today. I'm outside. I'm outside a little coffee shop here. We've got a show here tonight, so... Glad to be speaking with you. Yeah, that's very youth pastry. But I did see your tour program, <laughs> and you literally somewhere else every single day. Do you still like traveling that extensively? Yeah, you know, <laughs> we have the backdrop of a pandemic now. We officially formed as a band in 2012, and then we really hit the road hard for really, you know, about eight years. And, um, and, and in the, in that time, a lot of us got married, you know, some, some of us started having families. And so, uh, you can get to the point where you go, man, traveling is a young man's game and it sort of becomes part of your life. And you just sort of, so you can sort of mumble and grumble a little bit, sadly, but when the pandemic hit, I think it reset a lot. I know for us, but I think for musicians in general of just saying, Hey, this is an incredibly profound opportunity to be able to stand in front of people and perform and present. And, um, and once it was taken, I, I think it, it put it in a whole new light and, 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 and gave us a new perspective. And so I'll say this, Janine, we're very thrilled to be back on the road, very thrilled to be live and in person with people, very thrilled to be able to present this new album to them as well. And so, You've got a grateful, you've got a grateful young man on the, on the line today. <laughs> you know, the reason why I was asking, I mean, you've been at this since childhood. You yeah. were with your sister, Rebecca and James, since seven right. years Yeah, you come to a brand new country and she worked hard like a dog. I mean, she was yes. like, the whole time. <laughs> you did the skippy work. You were carrying the sound and everything. Didn't have a big lot of people around you then either. And then at right. last, it's your turn and you get on the road. So it, give, me, give me the dynamics of you being supporting someone else, as in your sister, and then becoming your own artist. Was it something that was exciting in your own heart, something you dreamt of? Or was it just, you know, the natural next step? Well, in fairness, I, yeah, out of respect to Rebecca and our family, if it weren't for Rebecca... I'm pretty convinced there would be no for King and Country. We really got to as young teenagers. I mean, when I started Janine with her, I was 11 or 12. I mean, I'm sure we were breaking some child labor laws there somewhere. <laughs> but, but we got to see the impact of music live. We got to really see how to put on a show. Um, it really taught us how to travel and how to travel well. And even as brothers, how to compromise. Because Luke and I are two of five brothers. So we're all sort of involved in some way, shape or form. And um, so there's, if, if, if you're looking for any dirt about some sort of rivalry between Rebecca and us, I, we've just been each other's cheerleaders really in many ways. But there were those moments as a young teenager where I would look at it and I'd go, man, what if, you know, what, what would it look like if I was involved in music as well? And, um, and so I'm, I think, you know, we sit back now as young men with Rebecca um, and we just see 
really in many ways uh, the beauty of family going before us and we kind of celebrate that now. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been quite a journey, needless to say. Okay, well, let's get to the beginning of For King and Country. Firstly, that right. name, that name sounds very patriotic. Where does it come <laughs> from? <laughs> well, we came up with a lot of really bad band names. That's just the God honest truth, you know. Um, we were called Joel and Luke for a time, which is very uncreative, you know, because I'm Joel and he's Luke. And it was kind of the 11th hour. We were in the studio working on what would become our first album. And I was every, getting you know, every street sign, every newspaper headline, it all became a band name to me. You know, once you're, once you're looking for it, everything you're like, could, you know, could private parking be a band name? I don't know. Like, <laughs> and so uh, you, you, you just find yourself really kind of complicated. It's, it's a very complicated process. And then you've got the internet. So is the name available? Um, you know, can you get, but at that point it was MySpace, but now it's, you know, can Instagram and TikTok. Can you get the handle, all of that stuff? And uh, I had walked into the studio with the phrase, all the King's men, sort of this regal phrase. And our producer swung around his chair and said, hey, do you remember that British mantra for king and country? And we thought, uh, he, the moment he said it, we thought, well, that's really intriguing. And, you know, Australia's part of the British Commonwealth. And we thought it had a sort of a spiritual overtone to it as well. And so from that day onward, we never really, we've never really looked back. That's just what it became. Okay, then you got all official. Now you got a name. You've got to go out there and you've got an album, which means it needs to be promoted. Yeah. But you weren't famous right. yet. So you had to start right at the beginning with nothing right. and no one. Take me back to those first years where you now have to start making your name in this world. Yeah, yeah so it was well, our first real legitimate tour was in 2012. It was about 47 shows or something. It was just Luke and me. Um, it was 10 other bands and we were playing before the official start time of the night. So we'd play a 10 minute set, um, as people were walking into the arena and, um, lights were up. There was nothing very, it was, did not feel very rock star at all. Lights were up and we would borrow musicians from other bands to sort of play with us, um, each night. And even during the day, as people were waiting to come into the venue, we would grab a couple friends and we'd take those little that little box that you play. Uh, it's called a cajon and an acoustic guitar and a harmonium. Would go up, we'd sing for them in the line each day. Um, and really, I'm, I'm so grateful for that tour. Um, you know, it, we're so grateful for the days as a winter tour where you're playing in the snow because it really c- connected us deeply to those those our first real supporters. But it also, once again, like with Rebecca, it gave us this beautiful sort of heritage and backdrop to now how special it is to be able to do this day in and day out. And I get, I sometimes get sad, you know, for, for artists who skip that part of the journey, the, the, the real, you know, needy, trying to just make it work, barely getting by part of, of, of being a musician, because I think it's really important to experience that for almost the wellness of your future career, if you will. Tell me about your entourage now. When you arrive somewhere now, right. what does the party look like? I mean, entourage is a, is a, <laughs> is a, funny, is a funny word. 
I will say though, we we did show we played a uh, in Texas here in America. We played a it's called the Houston Rodeo, and they were impressed with our entourage because we do have this, you know. There's three or four tour buses and there's semi-trailers and there's 40 or 50 of us on the road. And, um, you know, it's a very different picture now than, than it was in, in, in 10 years ago when we began. Um, and, and I'll say this, though, Ginny, and it's very interesting. Uh, and we were even having discussions about it today before I stepped on this call. It's the best team I think we've ever had. Um, is, and it's taken us 10 years to get to that point of just from production manager to tour manager to personnel uh, in general. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real special thing. And there are moments for sure where you walk in, like I walked into the arena today and I just looked around and I was like, you got to kind of pinch yourself a little bit. Cause you realize, you know, this is a very fragile thing we get to do and it's not going to last forever. And for the moment we have this ability to use the power of music and hopefully positively impact people and talk about god and life and love and so on but it doesn't you know it doesn't last forever you've got to take it in while you can yeah hold on to it lightly but it has opened doors for you i mean even doing movies that yeah fun it's another way to communicate how did that happen yeah yeah well our brother ben who's just above me he does a lot of our um music videos and and um uh, incidentally, we directed uh, the first feature we did, Priceless. And, um, and it, it, it's funny, I, I went to him. One of the things we've talked about a lot in, in the band is this idea of honoring women and, um, and, and really living out, uh, you know, committed relationships and, and in a time where it feels like even the family has been called into question or you know, human trafficking is on the rise and so on. And so Ben came and said, man, this, I've got this sort of true story. It was from a documentary years ago. We should, you know, sort of adapt this to a film. And we, I mean, we're always a bit crazy with this stuff. So we were like, let's do it. And, and uh, we just set an intention and we put one foot in front of the other. It was the most exhausting project we've ever worked on because Luke and I obviously promoted it. He produced it. I acted in it. But we worked on the script as well. I mean, it w- was all encompassing for for a year or so. And so, I'm, I'm, but I'm pleased to share that uh, even down to the, this last week, we've been in very serious talks about working on another feature-length film um, titled Unsung Hero that actually, speaking of honoring family, tells of our parents' kind of epic uh, migration story from Australia to the United States when we were boys. And uh, the, the talk right now is that I would play my dad, which would just be fascinating uh, to me. My, both our parents are still living, uh, obviously. And, and so we're excited to sort of honor them in that way, uh, looking to go into production this fall. So keep, a, keep an eye and an ear out for that, for sure. Okay, but just because you can sing doesn't mean you can actually act. Did, did you have to go have three lessons to get you to, you know, teach you how to do this stuff where you're just a natural? <laughs> Well, the biggest one for me was actually uh, the American accent because the, the first character I played was actually an American. And so you had to really, you know, you had to work on the way you would roll your R's and you talk and your, your voice gets a little lower, you know. And, and so I had a vo- vocal coach come and, and he really assisted me in that process and was very, was very helpful. Um, but, I, you know, I, 
growing up, that was something we always did. Even on our parents' farm, we would go and shoot bad spin-offs of Indiana Jones movies in the backyard. So it was sort of the stage and and the camera are you can there's a dot to connect there. You know, uh, you, every the only difference is everything is really big on the stage all your movements are really big and the camera it's much more nuanced and that was i think the biggest trick for me was figuring out how to be much more subtle in performance you know yeah and then the other thing you used to be in before the camera because you forever making little videos and little talks and little stuff that you're posting all on social media it's amazing how social media has widened your reach to much mm. wider than just the music industry it must be fulfilling and bringing quite a kick to know that if you say something, it really gets out there because of the whole system and structure that social media has opened up for you. Well, we've been, there's a lot of reasons, Janine, that we feel very fortunate because you understand that as, as musicians, it takes a lot of little planets to align for a musical career to work. And so many of them have nothing to do with you. Like when we started, you know, even streaming platforms were just beginning. You know, it was all uh, iTunes and digital platforms at, at that point. And when we started, you know, Facebook was just sort of launching and it was all MySpace at that point. And you didn't even have Instagram yet. I remember someone saying, hey, you've got to get on Instagram, you know. Um, and, and, and then you have TikTok. So the fact that we were sort of born into this time where you can have this much wider reach and, and meet people on a daily basis, you know, um, through social media is pretty profound. You know, it, it doesn't come without its uh, complications, obviously. Um, but that's another level of this that we, we really, uh, Mitchell Schlepper is the guy that's out here with us. And we really, he does a great job of capturing sort of our life out here on the road, our life in the studio, behind the scenes. So we, we, We've taken that as sort of a special part of our journey with our listeners of inviting them behind the curtain, if you will. Yeah. One last question before we get to your song. Yeah. That lovely wife of yours. We loved her music. Yes. She's got the CD. She's got this. She's got the looks. Why? Where is she gone to? What's she doing these days? Well, I mean, she started when she was so young. You know, she's uh, she's twenty nine now. She started when she was seventeen, eighteen years old. And, um, you know, look, I can say this as a brother in a duo. There's a lot of things that face you on a day-to-day basis. And I'm so thankful that I have my brother, you know. I look at what Rebecca walks through as my sister. I look at what Mariah walks through as a musician, as my wife. And, man, it's tough. It's really tough. And so, um, but with that said, I'm really pleased to say that she is working on a new project. Um, yeah. I, I think she is, you know, she's gone on that musical journey to really find herself in whole new ways and who she is now. And so uh, she's actually literally in this moment, I think she's working on a, on, on a new song. And so uh, we're hoping to release that this year. You have to keep an eye and an ear out for that as well. But it's, uh, it's been quite a journey from, you know, that 17-year-old Mariah to where she is now. And I think, I think there's more to come with her. I think you're going you're gonna to see and hear from her a lot more. Uh, in the future. All right. Intro me your song. Love me like I yes. am. Listen to it. Tell me what you want me to hear. I love that that was your pick, Janine, uh, of the whole record. Love me like I am. Um, love me like I am. Speaking of, you know, Skype and Zoom calls, it was one of the only songs on the album that we wrote 
through a Zoom call. Um, and I don't like songwriting on Zoom calls, but uh, in this case, uh, it was written with a guy named Michael Pollock and Josh Kerr. Michael was over in L.A. We were in Nashville. And um, as I was sleeping the night before the songwriting session, that phrase, love me like I am, popped into my head. And I thought, you know, I've got to write this down. So I, 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 you know, woke myself up and, you know, grabbed a notepad and I jotted it down, love me like I am. And, I, and then that next day I went into the studio and I said, man, I have this phrase. Uh, and, and Josh uh, Kerr turned around and said, uh, kind of completed the phrase. He says, it's amazing that you can love me like I am. And I just thought that's beautiful. And, and it actually happened really quickly from there on. Um, as far as the construction of the song and the sentiment of it, and we really play this out in the music video is that we all have these internal monologues and you know, we're unlovable. Um, we're damaged all, all of these things. And, and, and no one could accept us as we are. And what we find so beautiful about, you know, family members or God or those that really deeply love us in committed relationships is that they, it's not contingent on what we do. It's, it's literally just meeting us right where we are in this present moment and loving us as we are. And so this is a song of celebration for that fact that, that there is a God and that the people do just meet us right where we are and love us as we are. And uh, one of our favorites, we play it live. Now we get this, the audience to sing along and it, it's one of our, one of our favorites off the new album. 